We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. I have a question to ask you. If you don't know me, I'm Chris Fluitt, and that's Sarah Fluitt over there. We pass her a sweet church in Plano, Texas, and we're glad to have fellowship with you. We love you. Uh, the church we pastor is named Redemption Church, and it would not exist without this church. We thank you so much, so much. I have a question to ask you today. Do you want a big change or a little change? I just want you to think about that. Do you want a big change in your life, or do you want a little change? Do you want a few moments where God uses you in little ways? Or do you want God to be constantly using you and in bigger, more amazing, supernatural ways? Do you want a, a little change or a, or a big change? Do you want your family to merely check Christianity on the government forms? You know, the census that comes out and you go, Christian. Is that, is that the height of your goal for spirituality? Or do you want your family to be radical world changers? Do you want your family to be a source of help, peace, light, and life in every situation? Is there something in your heart that wants to see your children even do bigger and greater things for God than you ever did? Is that in your heart? Is that on your prayer list? Do you, do you want something small? Are you just settling for, well, I hope I pass on Christianity to my children? Or do you want to see your children and your sons and daughters prophesy? Do you want to see powerful things take place in your family? Or is it enough to just call yourself Christian? Do you want to leave here today having felt a little goosebump? You know the little goosebumps? Was, is that enough for you today? Or... Do you, do you want something more than that? Does anyone want to hear God's voice and receive direction? Not just, not just direction for the current problem. God can give you a direction today that will carry you the rest of your life. That, that whenever you walk into a problem, you're like, oh, get a load of me because God's given me a direction back in July, June. What month are we at? June. 2020, and now I'm walking into every single problem with direction and power from on high. Are you hungry for a brand new understanding and revelation, or will you just settle for the goosebump? Are you content with God moving through other people to minister to you today, or do you want something bigger than that? Do you want to pray for people and actually see them healed? Do you want God's anointing on you today? Do you want God to actually speak to you and then speak through you to help someone else? That's the question today. Do you want a little change or do you want a big change? What do we want, Tabernacle of Praise? What do we want today? There are places. Thank you, Will. He wants something big. That's good. <laughs> there are places in your Bible where the move of God is bigger than other times. Now, don't get up and walk out. I'm not saying that God changes. He's unmutable. He's, he's immutable, unchangeable. He never changes, right? But a miracle is a miracle. Also, I'm not putting down miracles. I'm not putting down any miracle in Scripture. A miracle is God doing something that is impossible in the natural, and we should never yawn at God's supernatural power. We could preach that a little bit because I don't know what it is, but people aren't excited as they used to be about God's supernatural power. People aren't as excited today as when in the past when people would get baptized and people would be filled with the spirit and revival would come and sweep over families. Don't let that be you. We cannot let that be us today. Don't yawn at God's supernatural power on display. But still, I hope you will agree that there are times when God seems to be doing bigger things than other times. Can I get a yawn a little bit? Not a yawn, a nod. Not a yawn. Can I get a yawn? Nod. Yes. Is that you? Is there times in your life where you remember seeing God's power really big? And then there's other times. There's peaks and there's valleys. Well. If we really want to see these bigger things from God, maybe we ought to look in the word 
to see what is the catalyst for a move of God. I want to tell you that God did big things in Egypt. Would you agree? Yeah, real big things. In Egypt, God set Israel free. They were slaves and they walked out free. They didn't just walk out free. They walked out with great wealth. They didn't walk out poor. They walked out rich. And they didn't walk out sick. They walked out healed. God did big things just in the people. But perhaps you know about the ten plagues. Those were kind of a big deal, right? Was that God's big power put on display? Yes, everyone. There was not a single person in that nation unaware of God's bigness when these ten plagues rolled out. Water into blood, frogs, lice, stinging creatures, diseased livestock, boils, hailstorm, locusts, darkness for three days, and the death of the firstborn. It put everybody on their face because God is big. You talk about big things. Of all the big things God has done in your Bible, what he did in Egypt has to rate pretty high on the list. It was a continual display of God's supernatural power and authority. But God wasn't done because Israel walked right into a Red Sea. So God parted the Red Sea. The enemies charged in behind them and they were all destroyed when that sea swept over them. So now Israel stands free on the other side of the Red Sea and their enemies will never be seen again. And that's when God was done. No, God wasn't done because everywhere there walked, there was a pillar of fire. There was a cloud of glory. There was a rock that rolled around them and gave them all water. Miracle after miracle. We aren't even scratching the surface. God's power was on display. God did big things in Egypt. Church, do we want to see God's supernatural power on display like it was in Egypt? If that's true, I want you to understand two things very quickly. God can still do these things. That's number one. Make no mistake. Our God has not changed. He can still do everything he's ever done. Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi says, uh, 3, 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Do we agree that God can still do big things? You agree with that? That's number one. You got to understand it. Number two, what God did for Jewish slaves, he is willing to do for you. You got to believe that. You got to believe that. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 declares that God is no respecter of persons. You know what that means? That in, in Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles for the first time are receiving God's presence. And what they learned was God will give to the Gentiles exactly what he gave to the Jews. I want to tell you what God did for the Jews in Egypt. He will give to you today. What God gave to the Jews in Acts chapter 2, he gives to us today. There is nothing that he will withhold from us. He is not a respecter of person. You got to understand God can still do these things and he is willing to do these things for you. He doesn't withhold his power and blessing from people based on race, based on wealth, or based on any of the other things humanity uses to divide us. Understand these two things. God has not changed. And what he did for those slaves, he is willing to do for us right now. God can still do it. He's willing to do it. The real question is, do you want it? Do you want a big change? Or do you want a little change? We serve a God of big supernatural power, don't we? Oh, yeah. He didn't even work up a sweat when he healed my boy. You ought to want this power more than the latest smartphone. Or whatever the advertisements are on TV that, that go, oh, I kind of need that. I go, oh, I want that. You should want 
the supernatural power of God more than that. I got an itch to go see a sporting event. My gosh, when will that ever happen? Man, if I could just get tickets on a cowboy game, I don't even care when I watch them lose in the last quarter. I don't even care. Just let me see it. Lord. Guess what? You ought to want God's supernatural power more than the latest, greatest ticket to anything. The real ticket of all eternity is that front row seat to God's power and his authority, his supernatural wonder. That's the real ticket, y'all. You ought to desire his miracles more than the thoughts that crowd your mind. You you ever feel like thoughts are just wrestling for your attention? There's no peace. They're just fighting over. You ought to want God more than all of those thoughts. Just those thoughts can just go wherever they want to. want God to fill the fullness of my mind. You ought to set yourself free from the fear of what other people think or what other people may not think about you and instead receive God's power. I'm telling you, I've been in church long enough to know that the a great obstacle for many people being saved and being filled and being called into greater things is the fear of what the person next to them is going to think. There's been many people go, well, I want to go to the altar so bad, but the fear of what someone else thought kept them from it. I'm telling you, you got to want the supernatural power of God more than what someone so what so and so might think about you god's big supernatural power can happen anytime and it can happen any place so why doesn't it happen here let's have it happen here it happened in egypt why think about this for a moment why egypt why did it happen there what are the conditions for a supernatural Outpouring. You said you want a supernatural outpouring. What are the conditions? Well, perhaps there was something we can learn from the Exodus story. Maybe there was a catalyst for this big change. Think for a moment. What would cause God to pour out his supernatural power in Egypt and here? What would that be? Form those things in your head. Think about it. Think about it. Is there something you can do that would cause God to move? Well, kind of, yes, but also kind of, no. Let me just tell you real quick. You can't really make God move. He's not your errand boy. You can't go to your room, God. Won't ever work. He doesn't fit in a room. He's God. God operates by grace. Grace means that you can't earn it. You can't earn his presence. You can't earn his miracles. So I want to tell you real quick. You can't make God do the supernatural. You can't. You can't earn it. But to balance out this point, I also want to tell you, it's also true that God rewards obedience. So now we're we're in this place. Think with me. We're not forcing God. We're not earning God. We're not saying, I fulfill. I got five gold stars this week. Five, whatever you think those are in your religious circles, five gold stars, right? I didn't cuss for five minutes straight. Five gold stars. So you don't reward it. You don't earn it. But at the same time, God rewards obedience, There are places in your Bible where people obeyed God's command and then God responded with supernatural reward. Isn't that right? Absolutely. So we are never forcing God's hand. Well, now, God, you got to do a miracle because I came to church today and I even worshiped. Boom. Doesn't work that way. God, I did that thing that your word told me to do. Now you need to, you know, let me win the lottery. That wouldn't be grace. That would you, be you trying to earn something. And let me tell you, that goes ugly places. You, God's gifts are so great, you could never, ever, ever, ever earn them. He gives them. 
We don't, we don't believe in schemes to earn his favor. He gives his favor to you. It's called grace. Yes, it is true that if you want supernatural blessing in your life, you should be obedient to his word. So let's talk about obedience to his word. Here are some things uh, we ought to do because they're obedient. We should pray and we should fast. It's obedience. We should pray and we should... Some of y'all didn't listen to that word. Y'all just turned that off anyway. No, no. You should pray, not just pray, but we should even fast. Why? Because it's in God's word. It's obedience. God rewards obedience, right? Uh, How about this one? We should love God and love people. Is that in there? Where is that in there? Yes, that's the most important commandment. According to Jesus, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. God rewards obedience. Are you loving God? Are you loving your neighbor? We should do that. How about this one? Uh, We should give back to God. He gives us and we should give back to God. God, we should trust God so much that we actually take out our wallet and they've got these pieces of paper with dead presidents on it. You should trust the paper with dead presidents. You should trust God enough to put paper of dead presidents into the hand of a living God. You should. It's obedience. We should carry his gospel everywhere we go. We shouldn't just say, oh, the gospel, that's good, while we're in church. No, we should be telling people that Jesus Christ loves them, that he died on the cross for them, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again, and he's coming back. Do you want to go to heaven with me? We need to be carrying the gospel. He commanded us to do this thing. This is simple obedience no, let me tell you, if you said, yeah, I want those big things, but you can't do this little obedience, you need to check yourself. So did God move in Egypt because he saw the Jews praying and fasting? I can't find anywhere in Exodus that they were praying and fasting. Can't find it. Well, where in where the, in, in Egypt, were the Jews actively loving God? Like, oh God, we love you and we're, we're trying to listen to you and obey you and be close to you. Were they making sacrifices to him? That was a thing already. <laughs> were they worshiping him? That was a thing already. Was that present in Egypt? I can't find where that was present, where, where that was present at all in Egypt. Egypt. I can't find there were, where they were present, uh, where, where they were worshiping the God of Abraham. They knew about Abraham, but they didn't worship the God of Abraham. I find more evidence that they were actually falling in love with the Egyptian tradition. They're actually falling in love with the Egyptian gods and serving them. Why, why do you say that? Because when they were coming out of the land, they kept trying to bring up Egyptian worship. So no. I don't see much worship and admiration for God in them. Well, so were they practicing giving and generosity in Egypt? I find zero evidence of that. Y'all see where I'm headed? There, there are no places where they declare God and his love in Egypt. Where they are spreading the good news that Messiah is going to come. You see, we think the gospel is just a New Testament thing. No, the, Eve knew that her seed was going to bring out the Messiah. And it was upon the Jew to carry the great news, the good news that Messiah is coming. Can you find me the place in Egypt where they were declaring that Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to come? Can't find it. Can't find it anywhere. No evidence. In Egypt, there are no worship psalms that come out of Egypt. There are no altars built while in Egypt unto the Lord. And they're in Egypt for 400 years. Say 400 years. In your Bible, there are, four, there are twice that God is silent for 400 years. One of them is in Egypt. One of them is in the middle of your Old and your New Testament. There are no prophecies that come out of this time. There are no stories of people serving God in the face of the persecution. We don't, can't name a single person and what they did. 
There's no stories like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were enslaved in Babylon. There's no stories like this. So I got to ask you, what moved the heart of God to show up in power? That would be good to know, wouldn't it? The Bible tells us clearly in Exodus chapter 2. If you got a Bible, if we can put this on the screen. Exodus chapter 2, we're going to read 23 through 25. The Bible tells us clearly what caused God's big change to come to Egypt. Verse 23, during that long period that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. Verse 24. And God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Verse 25. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Other versions say God had concern on them. God had compassion. What brought on the dynamic, supernatural outpouring in Egypt is so simple. God in heaven heard the cries of groaning slaves on earth. I want to preach to you today about the outcry. I don't have to be much longer if you preach with me. The outcry. I want to tell you something about God. God cannot resist a cry for help. God cannot resist a cry for help. Now, you and I, we can do that pretty good. We, we've all driven up to the stoplight and we get caught at the red light and there's a person right there with the sign. We're like, if you don't look at them, they don't exist. We've done it. We have done it. We have done it. I want to tell you, God can't do that. God does not do that. God does not resist a cry for help. God made Egypt. God has view of the entire universe and beyond. We don't, we don't know how much God sees, right? Down to the smallest particle, he sees it all. God made Egypt the center of his attention because of an outcry grown from a slave. If you're looking for a divine manifestation of God's power and glory, there are two things you must do. Tabernacle of praise. Do you want to receive those two things today? Say, yeah. Number one, listen for the cry. Listen for the cry. God heard their cry and then God drew near and put his supernatural deliverance power on full display. If you want to be in the presence of God's supernatural power, then you need to learn how to listen. The church of Jesus needs to learn how to listen. He that has ears, let him hear. Is that in your Bible? Yes, it is. God heard the cry and then God drew near church. We need to listen to the cry of the world around us because that is the location where God is drawing near. Where there is a cry for help, you can be sure that God is drawing near. Say amen if you agree with it so far. There are people crying out for help because they don't know where the next meal is coming from. They don't know where they will sleep tonight. God hears that cry. Church, do we hear that cry? There are children who desperately want to be adopted, but they end up aging out of the system without ever knowing the love of a mom and dad. 18 years old, they're kicked out by the government. They have no family. Guess what happens to many of them? They end up committing suicide. Every day of their life is a cry for help. Someone 
please love me. Someone, please take me. Someone, please hold me. I want to tell you, God hears that cry. Church, do we hear that cry? I heard a startling, startling statistic. If one person out of every five churches in America would adopt one child, there would be no more children left to adopt. Do we hear a cry for help? We're not talking about entire churches adopting. We're talking about one person who hears the cry of the hurting. There are people crying because they've experienced great loss. There are people crying because of a natural disaster, because of terrorism or war. There are people crying. There is injustice. There is abuse all over the world. There is persecution. There is hatred. Church, forget all the politics. Do we hear it? Do we listen? And if we listen, we ought to hear where the cry is coming from. And we ought to go to the source of the cry. Why? Because you're bound to meet up with a God who hears the cry and is on his way to the source of the cry. The church of Jesus should listen for the cry and then travel to the location because that's where God's big change is going to show up. If you hear the cry, you can be certain that God also hears the cry. I want to travel quickly to the site of the cry because that's where God is going to show up. If you are present, you're going to witness it. If you show up, God may even use you in the power of his supernatural glory. You said that's what you wanted. Are you listening for the cry? And are you ready to travel? God heard the cry of his people. God then calls on a man named Moses. Now, Moses wasn't just anybody. Moses is somebody who had previously heard the cry. Prince in Egypt, he sees his people being hurt and destroyed, and he comes up and he, he tries to stop a fight. He ends up killing the Egyptian. But God looks around and he finds a guy who had heard the cry. Now, here's the thing. That, that Moses tried to do it on his own power, did it the world's way, and then he has to run for his life. He runs on the other side of the mountain, and now he's there for 40 years. But God, hearing the cry, the next thing he does is he looks to that mountain, to that person who thought his life was over, who thought he would never do be a mountain to anything, and God draws him back to the site of his greatest failure and makes him the deliverer of those people. God looks for people who hear the cry. I want to tell you, God will pass a church right up who doesn't hear the cry. God will pass a church right up that doesn't love people. God will, he will go, he will have to drive a little further if he has to, but he will go and he will find a church that hears the cry and hears people and has a heart to go and he will make them deliverers. My goodness, God is looking for someone who hears and someone who is willing to go. Are you the one? That God is looking for today. Well, let me ask you, do you hear and are you willing to go? Maybe you've been hearing already. You know, sometimes we don't understand that we're hearing God. God doesn't always sign his note to you, God. Oh, that was God. No, there are times in your life where your heart is moved by a certain situation. You see someone hurting, you see someone in need, and you feel this overwhelming feeling to do something. Newsflash, that was God. That was God. You and I aren't that good. We're thinking about Chick-fil-A. And they're closed on Sunday. Ah. Oh. Are, you, are you the one God's looking for? God's already been maybe letting you hear the cry. Now it's time to go. 
If you're looking for divine manifestation of God's power and glory, then you need to, number one, listen for the cry. Number two, you also need to cry out. Everyone said cry out. Remember, God can't resist a cry. When was the last time you cried out? God heard the cry of the slaves in Egypt, and everything that followed was powerful, wonderful, and supernatural. We're still amazed by it, God. Church, we need to pray. We need to cry out in prayer. We need to cry out in our worship. We need to cry out in this altar. If we want to be the powerful church where God operates in the supernatural, then we need to learn how to cry out. The world has too many silent Christians. Too many. Silent Christian, I believe, is an oxymoron. That's two words that don't agree. They're opposite of each other. Do you realize these words really have opposite meanings? Christians should not be silent. Christians should be vocal. We should speak the good news of Jesus Christ. We should speak out against injustice. We should speak life hope and encouragement to the helpless and to the hopeless Christians should be loud. I can't stand the phrase quiet as a church. Oh, it's quiet as a church in there. That is an abomination. That is a terrible thing. Churches ought to be loud with joy. They ought to be loud with love. They ought to be loud with life. They ought to be loud with the testimony that God is alive and he is well today. My goodness, the world has too many silent Christians. You ever been to a silent church? You ever been there? Where there's like this lid on the worship. Your worship just can't get rise above that. You, like your excitement level is just, you can't get above it. And like, shh, do, 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 do. we don't raise our hands here. Now you listen to me because I'm not even talking about denominations. Don't you even even think that? Because there's churches of all shapes, colors, and sizes that are doing just this very thing right now. They're trying to silence people. That is the exact opposite of what we should be doing. We should be giving them the word and saying, take this bullhorn and go amplify the message. Go tell everyone. Go be vocal. Far too many Christians are silent. Can I remind you that God can't resist a cry for help? So open your mouth. Are we too quiet? Especially in spiritual things like prayer, are we too quiet? I cannot stand it. Jesse, I don't like it. When someone says, let us pray, and then everyone quietly listens to the person that said, let us pray, pray. So we're all in this circle and everyone's around. Let us pray. And we're all listening to that person pray. I'm sorry. I cannot stand that. It's like everyone is silent listening to the one person praying. I challenge that as unbiblical in every way. Find me where that is somewhat biblical. The church of Jesus Christ didn't stand around and listen to each other pray in Acts chapter 2. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Nobody, nobody just said, oh my goodness, listen, they are having a Holy Ghost fit. Isn't that wonderful? And we're all quiet listening to them. Oh, isn't that so precious? No, they all had it and they all spoke it. I want to tell you this thing about us standing around. Let's bring it to this. If you just stand around and listen to the preacher and you don't get this word hidden in your heart and speak it out, I hate that too. Let's just hate that as well. Can't stand it. They all spoke in Acts chapter 2 under the influence of the Spirit. Men and women, young and old, they all did it. Every believer was vocal that day, and they cried out so much that the whole street heard them. Do not be quiet in prayer. I know that some of us are louder than others. I get that. 
We have different personalities, and some of us are more outgoing. Like, you're really outgoing. I'm just really kind of like a wallflower myself. I understand that. But that's an excuse. Saying my personality just, you know, that's easy for you because that's a, no, no, this is not a personality. This is a calling of God, and you've got it. You've got this calling as well. Prayer is spiritual, and it's supernatural. Prayer is not about personality. This is not about personality. It's about that there is a fire shut up in my bones, and I can't keep it in any longer. That is what it is about. Now, I was really mean about silent prayer. There are times where silent prayer may be appropriate. Like, it's a form of praying quietly not to distract. Like, if you stood up right now and said, Lord, help that preacher. He has no idea what he's saying out loud. If you prayed that out loud, that wouldn't be appropriate. So pray that silently. Pray that silently. So while there may be moments where praying silently is appropriate, I want to tell you there is something wrong. If the majority of your prayer life is silent, there is something wrong. If the majority of your Christian experience is you sitting on a pew silent, there is something wrong. If during this altar time, the majority of your time is you just being quiet, it's wrong. It's not what God wants for you. You need to speak up because God can't resist a cry. Speak out, speak out your prayer. It's some of you, it's like, well, that's really awkward. It's supernatural also. Get a hold of it. Do it. There is power in speaking out loud. The Bible tells us this in creation. He spoke. Jesus never did a miracle without speaking, really. Maybe the woman touching his garment. But uh, miracles in, in the book of Acts, all speaking They spoke out loud. We should not be silent Christians. We should speak the word. We should speak life. We should speak in tongues. We should speak our heart. We should speak out prophecy. We should speak out our worship. The slave spoke through a groan. Told you we need to hear the cry. We need to cry out. Now let me ask you this. How how well articulated is a groan? When you and I hear someone groan, we ask, what do we ask? What's wrong? Everybody does that. I hate that getting old thing because you sit down and you groan and everybody's like, what's wrong? It's like, nothing. I'm just blessed and highly favored. That's all. But when you hear someone groan, you know to ask, what's wrong? We know something is wrong, but we don't know what is wrong. I want to tell you, God heard their groan and he knew something was wrong, but even better, God heard the groan and also knew what was wrong. When God hears your groan, he knows that something is wrong, but he also knows the something that is wrong. That's how articulate your groan is to him. Kind of like the closest thing I can find to it is a baby crying in the night and the mother knows exactly what is going on. God knows that when he hears your groan. God heard their groan, knew what was wrong. And the very next verses, we see God talking to that Moses guy the other side of that mountain he knew exactly what they needed how well articulate how how articulate is a groan well romans chapter 8 verse 26 paul lays this one on us he says in the same way the spirit helps us in weakness romans 8 26 the spirit helps us in weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Says it in the NIV. Through wordless groans. Through groanings that cannot be uttered. Who? The Spirit of God. The very Spirit of God helps us in weakness. And when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit knows how to pray. And the Spirit can understand your wordless 
groans. When you don't know how to pray, you can pray with a groan. Do you know this? Have you ever done it? Church, have you ever done it? I'm telling you, I was raised in, in a church that knew how to do this. Don't you dare let it be lost. A spirit of intercession, the power of the spirit moving in believers and they're praying and they don't even know what they're praying for because it is no longer them making the utterance. It is the spirit of God moving just like in Acts chapter two through them and to the need. Do you know how to do this? Have you ever done this? Do you want this? Or will you build a wall against it and say, no. If that happened today, would you grab your stuff and say, this is weird. I'm out of here. Well, it's in the Bible. I suggest you put down your stuff and you grab a hold of this and ask God, if that's you, I want all there is of it. You said you wanted big changes. Can I tell you, if you want big changes, that means big things have to change. My goodness. The Spirit himself will supernaturally intercede through wordless groans. I'm going to tell you, that's not weird. It's God. It's not natural. It is supernatural. You can be the instrument of God's intercession. There are situations where you don't know how to pray. What do we pray for? God what do you want to see happen in this situation? Anybody ever have a situation like that? Raise your hand if you have a situation like that right now. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know how to begin to pray. In the areas of our country right now, I don't always even know how to pray. What do you pray? What do you do? I don't know how to pray for this situation. I'm going to give you a really hairy situation. Don't be mad at me, but I'm going to give you one. I don't know how to pray on this. How do we pray for our transgendered brothers and sisters? I don't mean to offend anybody, but that's an issue. And we're called to win the world. And we've got these transgendered brothers and sisters. And I'm so sick and tired of the church not knowing what to do in this situation. Maybe we ought to pray. But how do we pray? The statistics say that a transgendered person is 22 more times likely to have suicidal thoughts than any other person. That's a problem. And they are 14 more times likely to succeed in committing suicide. 14. There are people in our society that we aren't reaching that are 14 times more likely than anyone else to go into the grave this year. What do we do? How do we pray? Chris Fluid, how do we pray? Don't look at me because I don't know. I'm bringing it to you. 80% of teenage transgender Transgendered people have committed self-harm, which is a precursor of suicide. 80%. Eight out of ten of them. How do we pray? I don't even know how to think through this prayer. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I do not. I, I understand that. I don't believe that's God's will for their life. I understand it, but I, I don't know what's going on in their heart. I don't know what's going on in their mind. I don't know how to think through this prayer. The Holy Spirit is what I need to pray through me to pray for them. Because this, don't you know the Spirit knows what to do? So many times we use prayer time as God, it, come, come sit on my lap, God. I'm going to give you some advice on how to fix my life. That doesn't make a lick of sense, but it's what we do. I want to tell you we've got it all wrong. We should come sit on the Father's lap and say, God, reveal it to me. Show it to me. Let me see it. Let me know. Let me know what to say. Let me know what to not to say. Let me know when to speak and not to speak. Show me what to do. Lord, if it's laying my hands on them, let me do it, God. If it's praying in a spirit of intercession, show me. But we've got to do that. I'm, we, we, we pray and tell God what to do. Intercession is you saying, I don't know what to do. And then he prays through you. And guess what? You still might not know what to do, but the spirit just did it. There was a time when I was praying, I was confessing of my sins. And man, I felt the power of God just flow over top of me. I was, I was uh, 19 years old. 
praying, God, forgive me of my sins. And while I was praying, God brought someone to my mind. It was a person I, my family had problems with. They were actually pretty mean to us. It was really bad. And that person's little picture in my brain wouldn't go away. And so I just included them in my repentance. I said, God, you forgive me of my sins. Also forgive them of their sins. The way that you're drawing me to repentance right now, I called their name. God, draw them to repentance. And God, God brought up another person because I just have issues. I need to repent. Do you ever repent and realize, man, I needed more repentance than I understood? And he brings up this next person and the next person. And God, there's one person. There's about four people in praying for this person. And I suddenly feel my heart just, I don't know how to explain it. It's like my heart grew. Like the Grinch, you know, the heart was two sizes too small, it grows. I felt something in my heart, and I was just like, whoa, the supernatural is here, and I'm just praying. I'm speaking in tongues. I don't know how I'm praying. I know that there's love involved, that all the hardness against these people has been taken away. I love these people, and I just feel the spirit flow of the Lord, the innermost being flowing out of us, living waters, as Jesus said. That's what he calls the Holy Spirit for us, and I just felt that power so strong, I was blown away by it. Oh, and that night, as I was going home, I, my next door neighbor, I saw them. And this was the stepson, the son-in-law of one of these men I prayed for when I felt my heart. And I went over to him. I said, I prayed for your dad tonight, and I felt something so strong in my heart. I'd never felt it before. I felt like my heart was just growing bigger and bigger as I was praying for him. And he said, say that again. I was growing bigger and bigger. He's like, he's got an enlarged heart. He's going in for surgery. I didn't know I was praying for his heart. But the Spirit was using me as an instrument. Not only did God bring that man through his surgery, that man is living for God today. God did something in him. And somehow I was an instrument of it. It is the Holy Spirit. Does anybody want to be an instrument of the Holy Spirit? There is a more powerful way to pray than your own thoughts. His ways are higher than ours. This is what praying in the spirit is all about. There have been times in my life where God has stirred up my emotions and I actually felt that heartache of the person I was praying for. There have been times I've wept and groaned in prayer. There have been times I surrendered myself to be the instrument. Do you know what they call a broken instrument? A, a, a silent instrument. Gave away the punchline. I'm not as good as Bruce. You call a silent instrument broken because an instrument that doesn't sound is broken. I want to tell you, a silent Christian is broken. The church of Jesus needs to be louder than ever in prayer. We need to cry out in the spirit. And I'm talking to some people, you don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm talking to some people that you do know what I'm talking about today groan in it get in the middle of it cry out in the spirit if you will then you will see God come and bring his supernatural I'm about to open this service for a time of prayer I want you to come and experience the power of God today as I do I want to remind you do you want a big change do you want a little change I want to ask you where's our world crying well, I was talking about crying. Did you think of something? Is there something that was God? You, you pray for them right now and you find a way to run to the source of that cry. That is the scene of the next supernatural outpouring. Can you find me a believer that is crying out intercessory prayer? They're already operating in the supernatural outpouring. You could operate right now. We will, will we allow God to stir up our emotions today? Will we allow the Spirit to use us to sound as an instrument? We are called 
to change the world. So do we want to see a big change or a little change? Are you going to be silent today? Are you going to come sound? Come now. Come, come on, make a sound. Can we fill this place? Can we fill this place with the sound of believers? Can we fill this place with the sound of worshipers? Can we fill this place with the sound of prayer warriors? Can we fill this place with, with people that their hearts are moved on by the Holy Spirit? Oh, less thinking and more of the Holy Spirit, God. Oh, Jesus, move in us, God. Let a spirit of intercession, let it flow in this house today. Use us. Use this mouth. Use these tongues. God, in Jesus' name, flow, God. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, God. Hallelujah, God. Touch every need, God. Touch our city, God. Touch our children, God. Touch our marriages that are strong struggling and nobody knows it God flow Jesus Jesus we need you Jesus we cry out to you we cry out for your power and your glory God in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name come on church cry Jesus, come, Lord. Jesus, come on, make a noise in this house. Come on, lift it up to him. He hears every cry. He draws near to every cry. Hallelujah, come, Lord. Jesus, come, Lord. Jesus, come, Lord. Jesus, come. Oh, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to the name of Jesus. Praise to the name of Jesus. Glory to your name. Lord, we praise you. We love you. We adore you. We can't live without you. If it had not been for you, Lord, on our side, where would we be? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yes, yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come and touch my heart. Come and free my mind. Come and do it all. Come, Lord Jesus. Yes. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh. Yeah, come. They were marching around Jericho. Seven days, right? Seventh day, they marched around seven times, and nothing happened. But they were obedient. And when they had finished that seventh time, it says that they all lifted up a shout and the walls came down. Hallelujah. Let the walls come down. In Jesus' name, 
In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Gideon had 300 dudes against a battle number that couldn't be numbered. And God had given him a few weapons. He'd given him a clay jar. He'd given him a torch. And he had one more thing. He had a shout. And when the time was right, they broke that clay jar. The fire was lit and shone out of the clay jar. And they shouted. And the enemy was defeated. Every last one of them was defeated. God, hear. Don't tell me God doesn't hear a shout. Now I want to tell you, there are some people that are just highfalutin and they go, that is silliness. That shouldn't be in the, everything must be done in decency and in order. Can I tell you, listen, don't you dare use that verse on that because God clearly told them to shout. That means that shouting unto the Lord with a voice of triumph it is completely decent and it is completely in order. I want to tell you just something in the physical. God's spiritual is always a counterpart to what's going on in the physical. It's, it's crazy. It, it happens all the time, which lets you know if, if the world's going crazy in the physical, that means that there are spiritual forces at work against us. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and dark powers of the air. We wrestle against them. Don't you be focused on the physical and forget the real fight is in the spiritual. So do you know what happens in the physical beyond what you can see when you yell? It's like an explosion of pressure comes. And they have ways of like, Showing this, I guess, from heat that comes out of us. And if you see it on a, on a, one of those heat, infrared, I was going to say predator vision, that's not spiritual. When you shout and that comes out, it thrashes the atmosphere around you. It's like an explosion goes off in the physical if what is in the physical is a counterpart to what is in the spiritual, I declare that I am going to thrash every power of darkness. I am going to thrash all the work of the enemy. And I am going to leave the atmosphere completely changed. Someone shout hallelujah. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, come. If you can be louder, be louder. Come, Lord Jesus, won't you come, Lord Jesus, oh, come, Lord, Jesus, come, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, hallelujah, I praise you, Lord, God, I glorify you, Jesus, I praise your name forever, Lord, the enemy's a liar. The enemy's defeated. He's under my feet. I declare the glory of the Lord. I declare the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everything that's got a name, God, you are above it all, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. One more time. Can we clap our hands to the Lord in this place? He's so good. Jesus, 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 Jesus. 
I mean what I say. I believe absolutely that the God that showed up in Egypt wants to show up in Kennedale, Texas. He wants to show up a tabernacle of praise. Yeah, he does. He wants to show up in your family. He wants to show up in your finances. He wants to show up in your health. He wants to show up in your depression. He wants to show up in all of it. He wants to set it all free. He wants to do it all. He's supernatural. And I've had, an, I don't know about you, but I've had enough of the natural. I'm ready for the supernatural. I've had enough of the natural. I'm ready for God's supernatural power. God, I want to see you do more miracles than ever. I want to see people come to know you because they have seen the signs and wonders of you. In Jesus' name, I'm wanting it. I'm wanting it. I'm wanting it. In Jesus' name. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.